Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 3. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Lord, we are thankful. <laughs> Your people gathered under a tabernacle. I reckon 4,000, 3,500 years ago. 4,000 years ago, Abraham got under a tent. Moses reared up a tent in the wilderness. The Word was made flesh and tabernacled amongst us. We got under His tent. Lord, we're under this tent tonight. Father, we thank You. Grace and mercy. Lord, we don't know how to ask You for the things we need We don't know how to ask you for the things we desire. You know our needs and you know your desires. Father, I pray you'd help us. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. All the Lord's people say it. All right. This thing's cutting in and out. We'll see if they can fix it. If you're sitting by somebody you love, tell them you love them. Well, that's very small murmurings going on. All right? If you're sitting by somebody you can't hardly stand, smack them upside the head. That'll, that'll help us right there. Feller said, are you a free will Baptist? I said, no, but I'm a free meal Baptist, so that's why I'm here. Amen. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? You think that may have fixed it, Brother David? May Okay, good. Hadn't the Lord been really good to us? There's no family like God's family. Of whom? The whole family in heaven and earth is named. What a day that'll be. When we all get together. When the roll is called up yonder. I'll learn my new name. And you can call me that for all eternity. I'm feeling rather religious this evening. Them disciples had great victory. He sent out the twelve, they came back, then he sent the seventy out and they came back. That's a picture of the of the gospel going to the Jew first, twelve, and then the Gentiles next, the seventy. It's seventy nations. Genesis and Luke. And I want to stop and thank God that this thing came through the Jew. Gentiles messed up for 2,000, what, Brother Reese, 2,500 years. Adam messed up 
Noah's bunch messed up. God went and got a man named Abraham, and it wasn't about Abraham, but it was about somebody he was going to bring through Abraham. It's going to bring Jesus. John 4, salvations of the Jews. It wasn't for them, it was of them. The Lord was after all of us, Jew and Gentile. Don't swing the pendulum too heavy either way. The Gentiles messed up, so he made the Jews just so he could send us Jesus and give him back to the Gentiles. I need a little help. And in a little while, we'll all be gathered over yonder. I'm not living for the 401k. I've dropped the 40. Living for that big 1k. I'm not an American first. I'm a Christian first. I'm an American second. The communists have taken our country, but they cannot take our cross. And they ain't a gonna. Me and Brother David and Brother Reese set up the country up in Georgia. And them old men of God warned us. And I was raised under... Brother Langston and my grandfather, John Bell, and then those, those country preachers on the Georgia side, Brother Phil, me and you owe our life to them. And then them big preachers in Chattanooga, Brother Langston, that go over there and watch them. They's trying to win the world. It's cause God loves the world. And they all of them warned us of the communists in the 50s. They come out of World War II and Israel was born. And they spent 20 years warning us of the communists. Not because of politics, because they knew that's where the Antichrist was coming on that platform. You've got to get all the nations together. I need a little help. I don't know how to tell you all this, but there was a soft coup and our country's been taken over by communists. And if the American side of you gets all upset, but the saved side of you's never been upset about people going to hell, don't talk to me about a nation going to hell if you ain't ever been worried about lost people going to hell. I ain't into your rallies. Been knocking on doors since I was a boy telling sinners about a place worse than a communist nation. I need a little help in here. I rode my 10 speed over the country and wrote my own track. Ed Blue printed it for me. And I got on a 10-speed and gave everybody a track in 30 miles of my daddy's church. I told them my daddy was the best preacher and my Jesus was the best Savior. Now to come, hear both of them. Y'all ain't helping me. I had two fellas get all worked up about America when I pastored. And I said, how come I can't get you to a door knocking Saturday? How come I can't get you to a revival night? I don't want to hear about your concern for a nation until I hear about your heart for the lost. Y'all ain't helping me. I want to make a little announcement, as Brother Bagwell says. Communism and the Antichrist can't touch the church. They can lay hands on our bodies and torment us and burn us at the stake. And if you think underground church ain't coming to America, 
Don't you think the rapture's ready just to get Americans out of discomfort? I never read that in the Bible where the rapture was for Americans. Every bad Democrat we get that raises taxes. Oh, Lord, Jesus is coming soon. No, soldiers are coming soon. (laughs) Help me right there. Silly, shallow, carnal, unsaved, unregenerate, get worked up about politics crowd. Well, that quietened all of you down. Pretty good you can quiet down a bunch of preachers. I got news for you. Honey, they can burn our bodies, but they can't burn the church or the cross. I feel like the Lord's coming soon, not because of high gas prices in America, but because we see the things happening. Not signs for the church, signs for the Jews. And honey, them are so close. You Gentile, we better be ready, getting ready to get out of here. I'm glad we can still have church. The crowd that acts like if America goes down, then Christianity goes down, I don't think they have a clue what Christianity is. Christianity probably not going to rise up in this land until the nation does go down. And I'll be glad then I don't have one of these limp-wristed, non-sin preaching, coffee table, little turtleneck necklace, teeth too white, hair too curly, little live-streaming clips. I don't know how to, what, I have teenagers, but I only understand half of social media. All these pretty boys that love to see their self on a little screen or a large screen. By the way, a lot of our old-fashioned boys love the screen, too. Can't, can't keep their face off of it. There's as much self-promotion in our old-timey ranks as there almost is in the liberal ranks. Pride makes God sick whether you're waving a King James or an ESV. He ain't never needed technology to do what he does. They thought television would be a way to reach the world. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. Only reason radio worked because you couldn't see it. And it coincided well with faith. Faith cometh by. Thank you. I'm in 1 Corinthians 3. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? I bless the Lord. Amen. Good to see the old timers. I was telling somebody about Brother Lamance. It's one of my favorite saints of all time. I love it when he does them one word shouts. Shouts! <laughs> You'll be preaching along and he'll back you up. Back you up! Aren't you glad Jesus loves sinners? Sinners! And I get it. It's a one-word shout, and I got every bit of it. We're glad some of the old-timers still here. Amen. And glad to see some new faces. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm too full of preach tonight. Oh, dear time. The church has always worked, and the church has always looked like this. Y'all ain't helping me. For 2,000 years, the church has always worked, and the church has always looked like this. 
If she ever get if she ever gets real successful in the world's eyes, you ain't looking at a church no more. You're looking at something Catholic or something charismatic. You're not looking at the church. The church will be over there somewhere looking like a minority ragtag on their last leg. I'm about to run across that parking lot. Ooh, we've always looked like this. Oh, are y'all in First Corinthians three? Hmm, hadn't the Lord been good to us? Oh, we heard somebody the other day. Heard somebody the other day said, uh, "Boy, we're in bad shape." So back back about thirty years ago when I got started. Churches would pray and preachers would preach and Christians were holy. And now nobody loves God or wants to go to church. And so I remembered back 30 years ago and I heard a preacher preaching and he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, back when I got started, amen. He said, uh, preachers would preach and churches would come and pray. People wanted to go hear the Lord, but now we're in bad shape. Of course, the other day I went somewhere and they did in the middle of a pyre of God for about three years. And old boy said, whoo, I just got saved and our church is full and people are praying. They prayed all last month. Amen. Well, I remember back in the 70s and I listened to those men preach and they said, we're in bad shape. America's going under and Christians don't care no more. But back when I got started in the 40s and 50s. People would preach and come to hear them and people would pray. Well, that's funny because I listened to the recordings of the men in the 1940s. You know what they said? They said 40 years ago, people wanted God. We're on our last leg. People don't love church anymore. And America's going under. Well, that's funny because I read the guys from 1860s and the 1905s. I did. I've, I've, honestly, I've read them. And they said, when I was a young preacher back in 1850, God was everywhere, but our England is done. And, I, and our churches are done. And nobody wants God anymore. Well, the only problem is I read the guys from the 1830s and the 1840s. And they said 30 years ago we could get 20,000 under a tent, but now things are bad and nobody wants to pray and nobody wants. Well, the problem is I read the guys from the 1700s. And they said uh, 40 years ago God was everywhere. Now I don't know, you can't find two people that love God. Problem is I read the guys from the 1600s. Y'all ain't helping me. Run that thing all the way back. How'd you like to have been in the year 290? And somebody said, I was here at the end. I was here in 207. And I got to hear the man preach as Grandpa heard John preaching on Revelation. <laughs> said, it seemed like things are going down here around 290, but boy, 50 years ago, my grandma would shout. Y'all ain't helping me. Go back to 150 and hear the man saying, uh, John was my pastor. Amen. Mary, the mother of Jesus, taught me in children's class. Y'all ain't helping me. She lived with old John. John was kind of disfigured, been bold in all. Well, run on back to the year 90, and there's John. And John said, I know I'm the only one left, but I want y'all to know these are not fables. I handled him. And it seemed like ungodly men are creeping in everywhere here in the year 90 and taking over our churches. And, and I'm the last apostle left. And the people don't, don't see it like they used to. But I want you all to know 
That we know, that we know, that we know. Amen. We'll back it up 30 years and Paul saying, yeah, I remember, but you all got saved, but now all they which be in Asia turn. I'm over here in prison. I'm the only one. Nobody will even come visit me, but 30 years ago when I got started, half the nation got saved. Y'all ain't helping me. It's always looked like this. And it's always been this way. We're not done. Let's go back to Peter on the day of Pentecost. Holy Ghost fallen. wonder if they'd spent the previous month talking about, y'all remember when the whole nation used to come to hear him? And now nobody there wanting to kill him? Oh, y'all ain't helping me. Back it up to the night before Calvary. And Jesus says, I know it's just us, boys, and y'all are fixing to quit. <laughs> are y'all with me? I'm telling you, churches always look like this, and it's always been this way. And it ain't never faltered one time. And it's never failed one time. And he's always had his saints, and he always had preacher boys, and he's always had an old deacon, and he's always had one going under on one part of the earth, and another raising up on the other part of the earth, and one's thinking we gotta hang on, and the other's thinking, thank God, we're just getting in. It's always looked this way. We're watching the news, and reading the blogs, and entering into modern politics, Read the Bible and get full of the Holy Ghost and you'll have joy that comes from another world. Hallelujah. That's the second introduction. And we hadn't even read the text. Hadn't the Lord been good? I got one burden. Amen. If somebody's got an old-fashioned watch, I broke the pocket watch from Holy, Holy Graham. Anybody's got an old-fashioned watch with seconds and hands on it? Bring it up here. Would you look at 1 Corinthians 3? Thank you, Brother Ryan. 1 Corinthians 3. I'll be like Brother Sammy Allen, hand him a case pocket knife. You may not get that back, Brother Ryan. Hallelujah. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3, the Lord's got one burden on my heart. This is not a prepared message, if, if you would. I've never, it's not a, it's a, a burden the Lord gave me right before church, told me to preach it. Hadn't the Lord been good? 1 Corinthians 3. By the way, if you're called to preach, young or old, in the ministry or not yet in the ministry, if you're called to preach, men, would you stand? One of me and Brother Burke want to see that tonight. If you're called to preach, would you stand? You fellas, turn around and look for a minute and see who's here. Isn't this wonderful? Now the Lord's done this. Brother David, would you get a count for us, my friend? Remain standing, men of God. Brother Burke wanted to see this. You men look at each other and love each other and pray for one another. How many we got? Twenty-seven. Thank you, men. Remain standing, men. All of you. Lift your voices and pray for a moment before we preach. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh, God. Lord, we love you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. God, breathe on us. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. You can be seated, men. Thank you, Lord. One burden on my heart. 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. What about my generation always apologizing for being spiritual? Well, then I don't want to sound spiritual. Well, we're not trying to be spiritual. Well, dear time, that might be a problem. But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you, and what about that? There's a lot of things living for the Lord, but isn't it something he pointed out their carnality by three things wrong with their heart and wrong with their fellowship? Envying and strife and divisions. I'm going to say to you, jealousy is not always wrong. As a matter of fact, most of the time it's not. Jealousy is a godly thing. Our God is a... Paul said in, in Corinthians 11... First or second, I can't remember. He said in Corinthians 11, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. A man told me one time, he said, The reason you preach so hard and carry on so much is you're just jealous. And I had to think for a minute. And I said, Well, you're right. You're right. You bunch of scallywags are robbing my generation of everything God actually gave us. And I'm jealous for God's people. Envying's never, never righteous. Jealousy is when you're after what God gave me, and I'm supposed to be protective over it. God gave me Jennifer. I will be jealous over Jennifer. But envy is when jealousy has to do with what you have. Envy has to do with what somebody else has, and you want it. Envying. Strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I'd like to reach down in the middle of a, a, a pretty negative text. And actually pull out a positive thought. I want to talk for a little while as the Lord's put it in my heart to talk to y'all about the ministers. By whom you believed. And the Lord gave them to every man. Even as the Lord gave to every man. So, aren't y'all glad God gave us preachers? He said in Jeremiah... Because I love you, I'm going to give you pastors and they'll feed you. And do you know why we shouldn't, uh, 
yesterday, somewhere over the weekend, we ordained Chris White to Japan. Uh, we got some of our World Harvest missionaries here, and there's Brother Tim Lord. The Lord led him to come out of Albania, and I reckon he's still praying over what's next, but good to see Brother Tim and uh, David Triplett's back here, and Daniel Bryant, and Sister Kerrigan. I think there's more. Brother Adams is one of our World Harvest advisors on our staff, and but uh, we just ordained Brother White, and his pastor preached to him last night about prayer. And he took several texts where Jesus prayed, but one of them is when they would, said when they would take Jesus by force to make him a king, he left the crowd and went into a mountain. Preachers, we're not supposed to be kings. I don't know how to tell you this, but Jesus still is not an acting king. That's going to, right now, he's our priest, our savior, our intercessor, our mediator. I know he is the king of kings. Paul mentions that in Timothy. But honey, until the heavens open, y'all ain't helping me. Roll back like a scroll and him on a white horse and that blood and that vesture and that thigh dipped and that name written. You're going to see your king then. We don't even need to rule as kings and priests until the millennial reign. Everybody needs to be servants till then. And if the Lord gave ministers to every man, just be satisfied with your man of God and ministers be satisfied with the men God gave you. Does that make sense? I was happy with the church the Lord gave me. I'm happy with... My little calendar's only got 52 weeks and there's 100.5 churches on there. Just about two a week is all. And that's who the Lord's given me. That's my field. That's my, that's my ministry. Brother David, I'm happy to go to Amazing Grace and we Dowie. Amen. Thank God, Brother David, it's my joy. Fifteen years now, I think, to drive down to America. And sit in the cotton fields in the day and get my soul restored with red clay and white clouds and quiet birds singing and then go to meeting at night. Hey, man, go to meeting that night. Thank God. Amen. Thank God. God ain't give me the whole world. He didn't think I needed to be the king of all the preachers. He gave every one of us a field. He gave every one of us a flock. He gave every one of us a gift to be satisfied. If the Lord gave to every man a preacher, then the Lord must have given that preacher those people. That's enough. Y'all ain't helping me. Everything else is, why do you think all them people got party spirits, clique spirits? Why do you think the people had all this, we're with Paul, we're with Apollos, we're with Cephas, and boy, couldn't you hear that one crowd, we're with Christ. Yeah, we know, whoop-a-goo, you are really something. Huh? You reckon they're getting it maybe from the preachers? I don't know. That thing's easy to rise. It's pride. Pride. How many of y'all remember my daddy preaching a message at the Redfield and he preached it years ago in my twenties and under my tent down there where I pastored. 
preached on his old grandfather plowing in the field. My daddy preached on how he remembered that his granddaddy was happy in his field. You'd stay out of other people's fields if you was happy in yours. And uh, there's so much out there to criticize. I ain't got time for it. But I find out that when I'm engrossed in my field that he's given me, I ain't got time to check out nobody else's. Whether they're good or bad. And the field is the world, and he's got preachers everywhere he wants them. He can handle straightening out everything. Now, when I'm in my field or fields, whatever they, whatever it looks like, I'm supposed to plow where I'm at. Help me right there. Oh, my. Underline this. But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Hallelujah. Y'all help me quote this. One of you young men look up Romans 10 real quick. Y'all help me quote this. I'm not sure I can quote it. Romans 10. Let's start with verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How shall they hear without a preacher? Or how shall they call on Him of whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? Here it comes. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Oh my! And preachers, you can't go somewhere God ain't sent you. And if you get out of the lane he sent you in, you're going to be of all men most miserable. And here in a little while, you'll get back in that lane. Get back in pretty quick or you'll come back in crippled. And then is it what verse, Pastor? said, for as it is written, how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. And bring glad tidings of good things. What do you think about the fact who the first per- the Bible said now there was at that time, what's the Christmas story? And there were, James Knox preached this last year where I was sitting in a meeting. And there were in the same country, carpenters abiding in the field. No. And they're in the same country, mechanics abiding in the field. And they're in the same country, engineers abiding in the field. No. Y'all ain't helping me. I need you to put your soul choir hat on and run ahead of me. You're supposed to help me preach you about the white people. And they're in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field. Wonder why he showed the shepherds. I'll tell you why. That was a lamb laying in that barn. Y'all ain't helping me. And God was going to call men and make them shepherds. And he showed it to shepherds. And the first great commissions in what we call the Christmas story. Good little Roman Catholic term. Christ mass. No, thank you. I got to find another word for it. Present times for your friends, which I should be one. Oh, dear time. They said to each other, let us now even go and tell them the things which we have seen and we have heard today. He showed it to shepherds. 
showed it to the shepherds. By the way, we got a real mealy-mouthed bunch of hireling generation upon us. Simon Peter in 1 Peter 5 said that you're not lords over God's heritage. If you've ever sat under an actual dictator, you will be sore under that thumb. But then he said, he said to be in samples to the flock of God and taking the oversight thereof. God's people, you better stay full of the Holy Ghost because your preacher is going to walk in, your pastor will walk into the service, your evangelist will walk into the meeting. One day he's an under-shepherd and he will tend to your hurts. The other day he's going to be an overseer and he will again tend to your hurts. Talk to me now. There are meetings and there are moments when the men of God pick up a little lamb and a little wounded sheep and there is salve and there is healing. And there's another day he comes in and he kicks, rares back and breaks the ribs of the sheep next to you. And about the time he kicks that sheep right in the ribs, it howls like a wolf. And the wolf slips sideways and there is a wolf snarling at you. You better quit listening to your relatives. You better quit listening to this liberal generation on social media. We are called as much as to kill wolves as we are to heal sheep. Well, our preacher has a split personality. You better thank God for it. He's going to need both sides of it. Let him pastor over two decades. He'll have all kind of personalities. Ah, he'll never be lonely going to a meeting again. How are you? I don't know. I'm fine back here. Be all by himself. Titus chapter 1 verse 3. Mark that one. Preachers and God's people. I love that. Cannot lie. Promised eternal life. There. And said, but hath in due times, in these last times, manifested His Word through preaching. I need to say something to all the men of God in here tonight. You ain't got to do a good job preaching. You just got to do the good job of preaching. Preaching sounds the same. Preaching sounds the same whether you're a country preacher or a city preacher. Whether you have the education of the Apostle Paul. Educated in the Roman Empire system at the feet of Gamaliel, university educated, speaking several languages, or whether you're the Apostle Peter and you had a language that we weren't supposed to hear. He was a cussing sailor. Peter may have started that little phrase. He was just a poor man, a fisherman. And then when he backslid, he used strong fishing language. Help me now. And y'all want to know how much the Lord don't need our gifts? He sent the educated city preacher to a bunch of Gentile heathen who never studied nothing but sin. And he took the old cousin sailor and made him the pastor of the big world cultural center at Jerusalem. And they had heard him cuss. And then they heard him preach. Hey, didn't he cuss the other night? Yeah, but I think he got right. He's preaching now. Y'all ain't helping me. Honey, the brethren may not let you get over some things, but God will help you get over some things. Amen. What about God sent the country preacher 
to the city and the city preacher to the heathen out yonder. He didn't know how to put on clothes. What about that? It ain't your personality. When we prayed a while ago, our dear evangelist, a friend of so many of us, Brother Josh Adams, came over and laid hands on me and prayed while you preachers were praying. And he said, Oh Lord, I quit praying and listened to him. He said, Oh Lord, there ain't enough personality in all the type A high-strung sanguines in the world. He didn't say all that, but he said, There ain't enough personality to carry this. And there ain't enough charisma in no individual. Did y'all know Hitler had charisma? Hitler was one of the greatest pulpiteer, eloquent orators of a generation. He could command and mesmerize audiences for three hours and capture their heart. You be careful and let her learn to discern the spirits. We're living in an age where everybody is not sucked in their Bible, they're sucked in their screen. Well, I felt God on that. I need a little help right there. One of our dear country preachers up in North Georgia said that uh, about a month ago he told me, he said, Jesus rebuked the wind, but never the water. Some of you are carried about with every wind of every social media pastor. You know, you can backslide to the point I knew a man who did I knew a great man who did it. Backslid to the point where he took his leisure hours in the afternoon and watched the upper channels, the TBN. And I heard, man, used to be one of the greatest preachers that we had. And I heard him say that we need what Rod Parsley and T.D. Jakes has. Well, I'm sorry, I don't need heresy and I don't need a charismatic movement. But it felt good. A lot of things feel good. Most of them ain't right. He never rebuked the waters. And I went back and examined all. He'd rebuke the wind, and then the waves would calm down. When the wind's using the waves wrong, you better watch it. When some feller's got a spirit on him, he may have a Bible in his hand, but if he ain't got the Holy Spirit, y'all ain't helping me. You boys better get full of God and bury yourself in that Bible. Jesus submitted to the Word of God and He pulled it on Satan and Satan submitted to the Word of God in the wilderness. It's the most powerful thing we got the authority on the face of this earth is the Word of God. Watch out for what you're feeling. Somebody said, but they're so nice. I've been in the Vatican in the Pope's place and everybody there treated me nice. I've been in Utah and the Mormons treated me nice. What about old Esau of old? Who was it? Not Esau, it was their daddy. Who was their daddy? Jacob? I'm going to read, I read my Bible in the late 80s. I'm going to run through it again one time. And that mama was worried God wouldn't do His promise. And she tried, she tried to manipulate the whole family. Anytime you ladies get tempted to start manipulating your family because things, God ain't doing what you want, you're fixing to wreck the thing for 25 years. That's what she did. And, and her old daddy, 
their old daddy laying in there. And he reached out and he'd put on goat skin. And he said, the voice is Jacob's. But it feels like, feels like Esau. And he went with what he felt instead of what he heard. I need y'all to quit running this thing on experience and run it on faith in the Scriptures. I don't care how good a preacher feels. That ain't the thermometer. The Scriptures. Try the spirits. Well, where'd you get that from? The Scriptures. Y'all ain't helping me. Amen. And you young preachers, quit trying them, and, and I'm not scolding you because I, I was started when I was 13. I've been through every phase possible. Quit worrying about what older men think of your preaching and go ask older men what they think of your walk. Really? Ashton, Nick, and you boys, hear me now. And, and don't worry about getting up in a meeting and doing a real good job where everybody says, that's good. But live a broken life and a clean life and just get up and just give them a scripture. And then you'll hear them later saying, that was God. You don't need to hear them saying, that was good. You need to hear them saying, that was God. Dalton, you're young. You're gifted. You was like a few of us, only a few of us, had a head start. Everything's a head start. Only a few of us. The scriptures and the standards and the right mom and dad and the right heroes, but you can't even rely on your heritage and your gifts and everything been poured into you. You gotta be broken and you gotta be humble and and you gotta handle that sword with the right stuff in your heart. Young men, quit trying to be successful and just be obedient. Quit trying to be impressive and just be faithful. Don't look at the great success of men like James Langston and like Lee Robertson, but go look at their daily walk. Look at their, try to find out about their prayer life. Quit looking at their fruit and go study their root and quit running this thing on how this generation feels. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Trust preaching. Trust the preaching of the gospel. Trust it. Trust it. I'm still in my introduction. This is my third introduction. I got a burden on me here in a little bit. I also have Ryan Goins watch. Have, have faith, people. Don't lose all hope. I'm checking it every so often. He is on, you are on, uh, Tennessee time though, ain't you? That backward time? Yeah, now I'm confused. I have no idea where the Lord's people stand now. Once again, I can't, I don't know what time it is. Oh, friends. What about that? You better trust preaching. 
I was somewhere one week and one day ago and God answered a prayer that's been in my heart for about three years. The Lord led me over to Ezekiel 37. I'll tell you the back story at another time, maybe at Waffle House. It'll be a story that goes down in my ministry. But I stood up to preach and God said, go to Ezekiel 37. And there's a valley of dry bones. How many preachers look at a valley of dry bones? I'm remind you, preachers, the only reason God shows you a valley of dry bones is because God's people have to deal, they have to live in the valley of dry bones. I need to say two things right here real quick. Preachers, quit thinking it's all about us preachers. It is not. Southern Baptists have no respect for their preachers hardly. They fire them and hire them every 18 months. And any teenager or granny woman has more authority. Anything anybody says in Southern Baptist Church don't carry as much weight as it does with him. He'll get run off over something one person says. But the independent Baptist, we swung too far on the other pendulum. We have our own, we have our own Pope speaking the Word of God. Nobody else can have a service. We have to watch them have a service. Nobody else can get a word from God. We have to hear the third word from God. You can't nobody have a prayer, a burden, any wisdom, a word or not. They can't exercise none of their gifts. If we're not careful, it's a one-man show and just people, why do they live such defeated life? They're just watching one fellow have church with God. The only reason that God ever made such a thing called preachers is because He loved His people so much. God never looked at a preacher and said, boy, I love you and your preaching so much. I'm going to give you a people. Never. But God always looks and has a people. I love you. I love you so much. You're my people. I'm going to get you a preacher. Fellers. In our independent Baptist churches, it has become too much about, I have a people serving me. We ought to be serving the people. People at the same time, we're under you, carrying you, we're over you, watching over you. Don't make our job hard by misunderstanding that. Help us. Help us by loving us. Did you love your mama when she embraced you and nursed you? And did you appreciate your dad when he disciplined you and instructed you? Paul said in Thessalonians, he said, I was a mother to you. I was as a nurse. He used the word nurse tenderly cherishing you. And in three verses, he said, as a father over his children. Y'all ain't helping me. We're mothers and fathers. Oh, dear time. My, my. I stood there and I read Ezekiel 37. Valley of dry bones. And he said, speaking of these bones. Everybody go over there and look. You need to see this. I'm working you tonight. I study expositorily. I do not like topical preaching. I love Bible preaching. I like to stay in one passage. And often I never even look at that passage. So you figure that out. Austin Wagner told me, he said, I finally figured you out. You're a themed, you're a thematic preacher. You have a theme. I said, I wish I knew what it was. Oh, what verse is it? Two or three, speaking of those bones. Y'all in Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones? Somebody here needs to see this tonight, speaking to. Prophesying to these bones. Did it say speaking there anywhere? 
thought it did. Prophesy. So did he tell Ezekiel to prophesy? And then in just a minute, guess who did? God. What verse is it that God began to speak? Verse 5. And prophesy over them bones. Men, did you know if by faith you will walk into your valley of dry bones and begin preaching the word of the Lord? Because he said to, in just a minute, somebody... In just a minute, somebody will like it so much as they excuse me, scoot over. I'd like to do some preaching myself, and it'll be God. And God will start breathing and blowing and burning, and God will start preaching. God will start talking to your dry bones. Y'all ain't helping me. Maybe I ain't helping you. Didn't he tell us to speak to the mountain? Well, here he told us to speak to the valley. I want to say something to you men of God. If you'll speak to your mountain and rebuke it, amen, and call it flat while it's still standing. And if you'll go preach to your valley of dry bones in the next verse, God will begin to preach to your valley of dry bones. The breath will come. The breath will come. Sit me not to baptize. That fixes the briders. That fixes the Campbellites, Church Christ. That fixes the Roman Catholics. Can I get a witness right there? Sent me not to baptize. And in the same context, he said, I baptized some of you. And so he showed us that water baptism was right, but he put it in proper perspective. Now, I've only got uh, one more and then I'll give you my burden. I do know I've been up here 32 minutes. And I know you're not worried about it. People that go to a tent meeting on a Monday night did not come looking at their watch. I came looking at Ryan Goins' watch, who I feel like the Lord may want me to have this particular watch. Amen. We're both from Tunnel Hill. We have that bond, and we could have this bond, Ryan. Hebrews 13, look at it quickly. And then I'll close with a commentary. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the Word of God. Whose faith follow. Y'all in Hebrews 13? It's verse 7. My, my. My, my. I worry about fellows who all they can focus on is having the rule over people. I worry about you. I don't want to rule over anybody. I have it. Ain't you glad I don't want it? You better hope the fellow that's got the power in your life don't want it for his own ambitious reasons. That rule over you is not because of what's what's wrong with you, but it's who's wrong with you. Let me tell you what good preaching does. Good hard preaching. Every once in a while, God will rear up in a man of God's heart. And he'll rear up the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And he'll punch that wham knock the breath out of everybody let me tell you who he's not punching he's not a man of God he's not punching sinners he's not punching saints he's knocking evil spirits off of all of you good hard preaching will knock the devils into the back foyer and sinners will blink twice for the first time in ten years and they'll have a little clarity and they'll understand the conviction they've been under all that time. That hard preaching rebukes the devils off of folk. It'll rebuke the devils that's been these 
our, our precious people of God, the other 11 tribes that's got to go out in the world and out in the field. And you've been around loose women that have been bothering you. And you've been around the wicked men been oppressing you. And you've been around hell's music and it, and it torments you. And you've been around people blaspheming the lovely name of our Savior. And thank God you need to come in the house of God. And a good man of God knock the wind out of every devil in the room. Knock them devils out in the backyard and they got it gather up there and all of our guardian angels been waiting on the bumper. They come around and say, you boys stay out here a little while. Amen. And inside that holy assembly, angels start pouring in honey and hot oil starts coming, flowing around. And our lovely Savior walks up and down and He puts a bottle in a baby's mouth and He puts a little crook around a prodigal and He puts an arm around a weeping saint and, and He tells a backslider in the heart, you know I'm the sweetest thing ever. Amen, honey. Every preacher scared of deacons, grannies, the clock. Every September 4th Sunday night vote on whether to keep the preacher or not. I believe I'd be voting on whether to keep that church or not and go start a real one about a hundred yards away and proselyte as hard as you can. Oh, neighbor. Oh, friend. These boys that won't preach. Mm. You young men, don't you get confused some of these large liberal outfits. Everybody loves them. Everybody loves going to church because they're having Disney in there. They're having Chuck E. Cheese in there. They're having a social club with a few little songs. Y'all ain't helping me. They can't go to where the Lord is. They can't go to where the Word of God is. They can't go to where the holiness is. Amen. Watch this now. Where are we at? And then in verse, well, no, look here. Hebrews 13, remember them which have the rule over you. And I knew everybody who has the rule over God, the elders, and God's put it in your lap. And you know, you don't have to worry about dictators because God ain't the one that puts them in place. Nobody will follow them. God's sheep, they hear that voice. It's the only one they'll follow. Y'all ain't helping me. And if that's one of God's good men and he gets some personal issues, God has a way of melting his candle. God will break his heart. God will thump him on the head one time. You better not. You'll get in trouble. God, God, you've got to worry about them dictators. They ain't around long. Remember them which have the rule over you. And everybody who's got the rule needs to remember that verse 6 and verse 8's in there. Verse 6 says, The Lord's my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God's people shouldn't have to fear what some preacher will do unto them. And God's men, you should never sit there and fear what the congregation may do to you. If you operate your ministry based on the fear of men, God will back off a hundred miles from you and let you and them play your own little game of Monopoly. Yes, He will. And He'll excuse Himself from their presence for being ugly to their preacher. And He'll excuse Himself from that preacher's ministry for bowing before men instead of bowing before God. 
Jeremiah chapter 1. You don't look, he told Jeremiah, don't you look on their faces. I'm sending you to four people, kings, priests, princes, and the people. And don't look on their face or I will turn my face from you. My daddy said about Ron Garris. My pastor daddy said about the great evangelist Ron Garris. So brother Ron said that he walked in the pulpit. He didn't have a friend in the world. His only friend in the pulpit was from another world. And I love y'all enough to not be your friend while I'm up here. What he meant was buddy. Not scratching backs and politicking. A friend loveth at all times. Amen. Make sure we understand that. I'm your friend, but I'm not up here to cozy up to you and to be your buddy. David Dent's become one of my dearest friends. We have so many similarities in our life and in our background, and then God put us together under some men. Brother Josh become a close friend. We're evangelists, and we do this together every week somewhere. David Phillips is one of my closest friends. We're the same age, and we, I started evangelism when he started his church, and we just... I got some very close friends sitting right here. But when I'm up here, I ain't looking at David or David or Josh. And I ain't looking at Dean. I'm not even looking at Brother Langston. Because men like him taught me how to do it like this. I ain't got a friend in here except the capital F friend. I want to please him. I want to look on his face. If he says that whole outfit is wolves, shoot all you can. That's what I'll be doing. And I walked into an outfit the other day that looked like a hippie clinic. It was as embarrassing and off the wall and as crazy. And the Lord said to me, love them. I said, Okay. One of them stood up there, had a ponytail down to his hind quarters, and he had on Converse tennis shoes and cut-off jeans and a California shirt, and he was standing where the preacher's seat was. Lord said, love him. <laughs> I found him after the service and uh, talked a little bit. Lord said, Dean, if your daddy, if you didn't know your daddy and your mama was a dope addict <laughs> and you came from another place, that'd be you standing right there. I've stood in front of the cleanest crowds and God made me rebuke everything and I've stood in front of the worst and God made me love them. And then different arrangements, it ain't always, don't always flip it around. It's however God says. Oh my. We better remember the Lord's our helper and we're not going to fear what man can do. Preachers, don't you fear men. People of God, don't you put the preachers under pressure. Intimidating and bullying and pushing around just because you're a rebel. You get saved. Quit acting like that. Well, in the next verse, Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today and forever. Hey, y'all. Man, we ain't got to change. He's not changed. You ain't got to have church for this 21st century of abominable, abominable Americans. You got to stop having church the old, the Bible way for this new way. Heavens no. 
Quit having church for Americans to like it. Start having church for Jesus to like it. And when Jesus likes it, Americans never will. But you know who will? Sinners that get sick of the sin of America. And saints who want to keep their own soul in a holy atmosphere. And saints that want to raise their children. Not what can y'all do for the youth, but what can y'all do for my children's eternity. What are y'all doing for playtime? How about what are you doing for their eternity time? Amen. Let me close now. Those were some scriptures. Let me close now by coming to my burden. But ministers by whom you believed. Ministers by whom you believed. I just feel led to talk about it for a minute. Y'all doing all right? I want to thank God. Let's go back and underline that. But ministers by whom you believe. And I'd like you to remember yours. See if I can do this quickly. If there's a blessing in it. Thank God for my daddy, Clay McNeese. He was my, he was my pastor. He went to pastor him when I was a two and a half. And he's been my pastor my whole life. I've sat under other pastors and they were my pastor. I've kept all my pastors. I went and sat under Bob Gray in Jacksonville, Florida, a good man and a godly man. Sat in his school, sat in his class. My daddy gave me the Word of God. And my daddy gave me men who believed the Word of God. He'd bring Ron Garris. He'd bring Ron Garris. He was our evangelist. I'm about to run through that parking lot, Brother Lamance. Parking lot. <laughs> you missed your cue. <laughs> Brother Lamance, I'd be playing in the churchyard. Dr. Ron Garris would become my daddy's evangelist. I remember they were saying bye one time. Brother Garris was leaving the meeting. We lived in the parsonage. And I stood under them men of God and they held hands and they said a prayer. Daddy was a weeping. Brother Garris was a weeping. And the teardrops were splashing down on me. I remember sitting there on that front row playing with the deacon's kid and the song leader's kid, little boys. And Ron Garris preaching Zacchaeus. It's hard for a little man. To get on a big horse. Oh. My daddy's pastor was Roy Gentry. The old man of God. Pastored one church. I think 53 years. Dogwood Valley Baptist Church, Tunnel Hill. Roy Gentry. Started a Bible camp. Started a Christian school. Christian school's still going. One of the longest running AC Christian schools in America. It started when I was three, so it's 50 years old. As far as I know, in them 53 years of pastoring, the last person for the gentry baptized was my boy. Baptized about three that morning. A Dorsey girl, one of John Dorsey's nieces. And my boy had gotten saved, Preston. Those of you don't know it, Preston graduated high school, 17, and a month later, God called him to preach. 
He surrendered and been full of God. He's over in the Bible college. Hallelujah. Doing everything that they asked him to do. And, he's do, and, he's, and he got in the bus route. And he's been in the public schools, 30, uh, 47 public schools every Thursday and Friday morning. And, go, and I told Brother Langston he enjoyed it. The president goes to the University of Tennessee every Tuesday night and witnesses and has Bible clubs. And they really need it at the University of Tennessee, but not at the University of Georgia. We're just fine over there. Thank you, Thank you Brother Langston. And uh, we're glad that all of our Knoxville friends are not here. I wouldn't. I would need to escort them to the parking lot by large men. Brother Gentry, that old Marine, that old man of God, laid on a rock at the Rocky Acres campground. Lester Roloff would fly in. Percy Ray would drive in. Harold Seitler would come in. And way back yonder, right after World War II, the old man of God laid on a rock as a teenager all night and got full of the Holy Ghost, him and Sammy Allen. The Rocky Acres campground in Rocky Face, Georgia. Same man of God went over to Chattanooga to Victory Baptist Church and BIMI, the largest independent Baptist missions group, put tens of thousands and tens of thousands and tens of thousands missionaries on the field. And that was started in his basement. Them old men of God, my daddy's pastor's pastor. Ministers by whom you believe. Brother Gentry baptized my boy, and he didn't have health to baptize anybody else. Back there where nobody could see in the baptistry, the steps was about 40 of them. They are so high, and they were very steep. And that old man of God had lost his arteries, and he'd lost things. He'd been falling. He'd had surgeries, and he couldn't climb steps. And it was just me and Preston and the old man of God. And we was back there, and I was going to help him up them steps, and that old Marine slapped me. It wasn't the first time he'd slapped me. Bam! Yeah. You think I've turned into a woman since the last time you saw me? No, sir, preacher. And Brother David, nobody saw but me and Preston. Climbed. Knees. Hands. Took him a while. Climbed up into them death waters one last time. He stood in that water. His arms on my boy! I came around out in the church and stood up and watched. I wanted my daddy's pastor to baptize. Same man to baptize my daddy. I wanted to baptize my boy. You know what he done? He stopped with his hand on my boy. He leaned up and talked to the church for 15 minutes about what they had been, what they better remain, what they should be when he's gone. He gave him a last address with his hand on my boy. Now, I ain't told that twice. It's too sacred. But I'm talking tonight about ministers by whom I believed. Amen. That's 21 and pastor and that's 22 and old Roscoe Creed saved out of Carl Lackey's ministry, Brother Langston. Brother Reese knows. Oh, Brother Roscoe Creed. 
Get in the car, young pastor, an old man of God from North Carolina. Take you to a meeting. And I went and sat under Dana Williams' feet for ten years. Brother Dana told me things about me and my heart and my Savior that really nobody, oh, we need men of God to take us further. Don't ever minimize the men of God that simply gave you your beginning. And don't ever, don't ever think any of them is different than the ones that had to give you your advancement. Them simple ones got you out of hell. Them other ones got you through hell. And some of them will get you into heaven. Don't think that none's greater or none's lesser. He preached to me. I put Joe Parsons in the cassette tape in my 30s. Drove around the southern states and other states. And Joe Parsons talked to me in the mornings, in the evenings, in the midnights. In the long hours, Joe Parsons, that old man of God, he told me what Calvary was about, what grace was about. I came out of a 40-day season of fasting and prayer, and God put Percy Ray in my recording thing. Joe Parsons in cassette tapes. And had Percy Ray... And he took me to the other side and he preached judgment. Percy Ray showed me what grace at the cross was. Percy Ray showed me what judgment from God is. On a nation, on a church, on a town, on an individual, on a people. Judgment. There was an old preacher from Pensacola. Highly criticized, highly misunderstood. He's been buried two, three, four years now. But a Bible teacher. He had that knowledge. He loved that Bible. Buried himself in it and gave himself to it and fought for it and fought with it and fought unto it. And on YouTube, waking up and going to sleep, teach me, man of God, teach me, man of God. Ministers. One gave me grace. One showed me judgment. One taught me what was in my Bible. In all the other verses. Ministers. By whom you believed. Say one thing and another thing. Brother David, could I call on you to go to the piano and softly play? I'm going to say, if you're a man of God, fail. We talk to you about what happens when the man of God goes under. Hey, y'all, you'd be amazed how many times across this country I've run across people who said, I loved my preacher, but he's not in church anymore. The man that got me saved is not with his wife anymore. Brother David, I hear that. You wouldn't believe how much I hear that. And you know what? They always still love their preacher. They remember what he did. Let me tell you something. If your preachers let you down, I'm going to say something to you. The Lord ain't going to let that man down. God's going to go to that man. He will work in his life.
God ain't never abandoned none of His preachers. He's done a lot of things with them and to them and for them and those awful things. Let me tell you what to do if your preacher has brought a shame or a scandal and tragedy. You do two things. You love them because there is a time they loved you. And it's time for you to still love them. God may not can use them anymore. They may be on a shelf. They may be in a shipwreck. But you just remember what they were and pray for God to help them now. That's right. And then I want to say to you, preachers, we need, we need the fullness of the Holy Ghost like we've never needed it. My altar call is going to be for you men of God. Our little friend that you introduced to me out in Wyoming, what a sincere man of God. Colton went out there with us in January. Little David Black. Tell y'all something, I'm embarrassed to tell it. Pastor, Brother Langston, God knows my heart. I'm not telling, telling this to boast. God knows my heart. I'm not telling this to boast. That David Black out there. Little preacher, a Wyoming native, a pastor and a missionary to the Arapaho Indian Reservation. Brother Josh befriended him like he does so many. Took that boy under his wing and God helping him. Been out there five years. God recently busted the, the hammer, broke the rock. Took five years. Brother Josh kind of sent me out there and told me to go help him. And uh, when I got out there, he told me he got saved, not out of church, not out of a heritage. He said, you guys from the south with your heritage. I want some of that to give my children and little old kids. And he said... The other day, he prayed for me. He said, Brother Dean, i got a burden to pray for you. He didn't know me some things. He didn't know that things were happening in my ministry. Actually, good things. And I was in a heavier burden than I've been in five years. And I don't know where. He said, I'm praying for you this morning. He said, what do you need prayer for? And I poloed him back and I said, I don't know how to say it. He come back and he said, I'm just going to pray that God anoint you with fresh oil. And when he said it, God did it. But watch this, Brother David. Fresh oil. I feel it on me tonight. Fresh. Josh, I don't know if I told you this, friend. Colton was there. Colton may have been sitting at the table when he told me. He said, you know, I got saved out there in this alley. We didn't have nothing in the storefront. He said, that preacher found a street kid. I mean, he had a home, but it was messed up and drinking and everything. 
And he said, God saved me out here nowhere. He said, as soon as I got saved, started going to the little storefront church out here in the middle of the wilderness. And said, an older evangelist came by and he said, he told me, took my Bible and wrote down three names. This is many years ago. He was a teenage boy. He's now got a wife and little babies. He said, Brother Dean, in my, in my Bible, that man wrote down three names. He wrote down Vance Havner and said, you need to read after Vance Havner. He wrote down David Brainerd, the missionary, and said, you need to study the life of David Brainerd. And he said, he wrote down <laughs> Dean McNeese in my Bible and said, find him and listen to him. And I'm looking at my name with Vance Havner and David Brainerd. I'm embarrassed to tell that, and I feel awkward telling it. I just need you to know what it meant. Can you not get older and think people don't need you no more and your friends don't want you no more? Lord knows how to show you. Ministers by whom you believed. Ministers. You boys want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You won't speak in tongues and turn into a woman preacher. And in this hour, you boys can trans over into a woman preacher if you want to. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Rusty, Brother Seth, Brother Tim, I don't know what the Lord's going to do with you. Sam, I don't even know if you're called to preach, but you're so godly. You're so godly. Trey, the Lord's got a place for you, son. It ain't going to look like what you wanted it to look like. But it's going to look like what He wants it to look like. Dalton, you swallow a dump truck load of humility. And the mind that you have and the heritage that you have, God could use you as a standard across this country. Brother Colton, all them sinners waiting on you in the middle. Brother Langston. Brother Langston. Raise your hand, Colton. Colton Diamond's going down near Tampa and started a church. Brother Langston went down to Tampa a lifetime ago. East Sly Avenue, Tampa. There's a young preacher following your footsteps, man of God. He's only had church three Sundays. Already had three. Three sinners get saved already. How about let's not be a king. Let's be a servant. How about let's not be a hireling on social media getting thumbs up. Let's be a man of God. Brother Colton, in just a moment, let Brother Langston lay hands on you. He went to Tampa probably 
before I was born, Phil. Seventy-five, I was five years old, six years old. Brother Langston said he had more sinners saved in Florida than he ever had in Tennessee or Georgia. Young men and pastors want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Stand up, Brother Langston. Stand up, Brother Adam. Come with me six years ago. Been raised around the formal side of independent Baptists. And he said, I'm hungry for God. Let me ride with you. And this is one of the places he came. And that night, uh, Sister Bick, Sammy, Sister Bick shouted that night. Reggie and Amanda, Amanda shouted, Amanda's mama shouted. Your mother shouted, Sammy. He had it all on his phone. He recorded that night. And it went back to a barren desert place in Kansas. And when he, when he didn't have God in Kansas, he played God on his phone in Kansas. I think me and you were sitting on the side with Brother Hubert and Brother Dent shouting. Him and his little family drove, took them two days to get here in a little rental van. They got no money out there or in their purse. They rented a van and loaded up on saltine crackers. He said, I want my children to sit where I sat. Hear what I heard and feel what I felt. Why would somebody drive from the upper part of Kansas to the lower part of Georgia when all around us people won't go 30 minutes to sit with God? Anywhere. They won't go any, in any of our southern states. Guys, we can't even get our own members there, and you know it. It always broke my heart. Nearly every Monday night, I preach to an apologetic pastor who says, I'm so sorry, Brother Dean. I don't know where they are. How many revivals you preached, Brother Reese, through the years? And the last night of the revival, you had to spend the next four days talking to the pastor out of resigning. He's so discouraged. Because he realizes people don't care. But thank God there's a place. A little tent and a little preacher. And a deep well and a cold drink. Ministers by whom you believed. And my peers in here. I got peers in here. Brother Reese and Brother Josh and Brother David and Brother Burke and Brother Lamance is one of my dear friends. Do you know you help me believe? <laughs> Every month when we talk, my faith is down to here. And when I get done talking to one of my best friends, it's on back up on full. I don't even know what you said, but just when we're done, I feel so much better. Come out singing. Went in resigning. I ain't got the strength or the courage to do this no more. And then talk to one of your brothers. 
You don't even know it. You're one of the ministers that helped me believe. Goins will send me an outline and a picture of a little piece of his auditorium or something that just got painted or remodeled. He's so excited. And I'll say, there's young preachers. i got to keep helping them. Hey! And the young men help me. And he'll find an old recording of my daddy's pastor. Hey, Seth Williams. Brother Ryan Goins sent me a message last month by Cecil Williams, your granddaddy, preaching holy, holy, holy. And your young ministers, but I keep on believing you help me believe. Altar calls twofold. I've been up here a good hour now. Preachers, find us a place and pray. There's pray bells out there. There's a rock altar out there. There's an altar down here. There's a back of this tent. There's a front of it. God's people, you care enough to be here on a Monday night. Only reason there's preachers is because God loves y'all. Thank you. For following your daddy's steps, Jim. When I talk about David, I talk about Jim. Because I see you together. And he followed his daddy and you followed yours. And y'all probably be standing somewhere behind the preaching daddy and the deacon daddy. Somewhere at the judgment seat when the Lord calls y'all's particular group up. David and Jim, come here. Stand with your daddies. When the crowns. There are God's people like y'all all over this, all over God's earth, and that's why the preachers are here. They're here to God to help them so they can take it back to God's people. God's people, would you find a place and pray for the men of God tonight? Men of God, would you find a place and pray? Let's all stand. Obey the Lord. Brother David, just make music. Oh, find your place and pray. Oh, God. Find your place and pray.